before going further, I want to I want to go into prayer to bless bless the message and um, and that the Holy Spirit brings out in me the, the lesson He wants to teach for them. Uh, Father, we give praise for Your mighty name, Lord. We give praise for the for this building, Lord, uh, and and all the miraculous things that have led to this point, Lord. That and and I give blessings, or I give praises for the blessings You've given on the people that You've brought. Uh, the, the people that you put on their hearts, that this is, this is where they need to be at this time, Lord. I pray for uh, this community, Lord. This community is, uh, their, their spirits are crying out, Lord. Their spirits are crying out for, uh, for, for you, Lord. And, 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 and we're here to answer. We're here to answer the, the, the marching call that you've given us, Lord, to, to come here and set the captives free. Lord, I, I ask for, for workers, Lord. There's, there's, there's people hungry here. They're, Lord, they have the, they're spiritual, but they have the wrong spirit, Lord. We want, we, we want to give them the right spirit, one that leads to life and not death, Lord. We want to glorify your name. We want to use the power of the Holy Spirit to, to point them to Jesus Christ, Lord, where they can reconnect with you, Father. Lord, that you are glorified. That your church, your church is, uh, is, is increased and your kingdom increased. Lord, use us, Lord. Let us all have in our hearts, send me, Lord. Let us all have that cry in our hearts, Lord. We ask you bless the service and teach the message that uh, you want to teach in, 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 in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Okay. Last week, um, the sermon was on a, um, a, new, a new creation. Um, almost forgot the first service already for myself. Was that, uh, <laughs> well, I said the title wrong. Uh, <laughs> on a new creation, which uh, I, I absolutely followed nothing, well, not nothing, about, you know, about uh, uh, 90% of what, what came out of me last week uh, wasn't on my notes. And, uh, but this week I'm going to try to s stay a little closer to the script of what was put on my heart. But, uh, uh, so we can actually use the slides that were, we do have slides, right? You didn't just write me off, right? For that. <laughs> you ain't gonna use them, I ain't gonna make them for that. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, so we set, last week we set kind of the parameters, or, and I was kind of all over the place, but I felt it was important to set up what the church was gonna be about in this new, in a new beginning, our new creation. Uh, and, and we are at a new beginning, and a new creation of the church and teaching people about the new creation that happened that happens when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now the funny thing about it, it occurred to me when I when I got through this, I have to set new goals. I, my goal was to start a church. I started. I, I I wanted to get trained, get an undergraduate degree in in, in theology and I did that. You know uh, coming here to start the church, I've started. But all of us in our hearts now have to go, now what? You know, I, now I have to rewrite everything. I, and the Lord has big plans. He has big plans for, for this church, this body. And whether you stay here or not, he has huge plans for you. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he has a purpose for you. He has something that he needs you to do. You know, we have people here that where the Lord's called them. They're coming from long distance to support us, support us here to even start up, which is amazing. It's amazing that the, uh, what God is blessed with to even start where we're at. You know, 
I'm, earlier in the week, I'm a little bit, a little bit down about things, and I call not down, down, but you know, it's like not knowing where where you're at, you know. And I call Pastor Luan, and he goes, you know, that's fantastic. <laughs> I said, some people start with just their pastor and their wife and one person in their living room, you know. We have, we have a. a a building where we can put music up with a sound system and words and you know that that we can sing and we can sing and praise God for there's no greater thing than that to sit and praise God uh, so it's just a blessing and I that's what we have to keep in our hearts when we're starting out here uh, everything everywhere every step we get every place we go is a blessing but we have to write a new goal and we have to understand that we're in a battle. And when you go into a battle, this, this, sermon's, uh, this sermon's entitled, Know Your Enemy. We're going into a battle. Do, uh, do, do armies go in and they just blindly fire where they don't know the enemy is, when they don't know what their capabilities are? They don't, do they do that or no? You know, they don't. They don't do that at all. So it's important to know the battle you're in. Because what the devil is really good at, and, and he's adept at, is making you fight the wrong enemy. You know, he has, he, he's, he has this knack for, for getting you to focus your attention in the wrong places. From pulling you from your, from your source of power. Getting you distracted in the things that are in everyday life. We went to a conference and there was a, something called the pre-battle battle, which we went through till we're, we're here. You know, to, to get here, there was pre-battle battles. There's things that I had, to, I, had, I had to battle and come to conclusions on. I had to battle moving here, giving up my house that I've had for forever to move here. I'm like, I thought I could stay there and get this started over here, you know, and then the Lord said no. You know, you're being called there. It takes your full focus. Go there. Get in that community. Love on that community. Put your heart into it. I was fighting the wrong battle. I was fighting the wrong battle. You know, the, the battle was here. I have to be here. I was his, I'm going to be, and you guys are going to be his weapon in this area. Using, the, using stuff that's available to us. Now... There's, there's, there, biblically, there's, there's two kind of enemies. There's two kind of enemies. One of these enemies can destroy your body, can infect you, can, can affect you in your everyday life, but they can't destroy your soul. One of these enemies can get you to willingly and voluntarily give up your eternal soul. One of, these, one of these enemies is relentless. One of these enemies is constantly in your ear. And he uses the ones that can't take your eternal soul to affect your decisions on your eternal soul that actually give them away. So you have to know the battle that you're in. Before we, so we're going to go in into a, some, some characteristics. If we could go to the first slide... Maybe I should get all the way here. I don't know. Can you all read that? Yep. 
You know you arrive when you get hecklers. <laughs> now, the, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the, and the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is our first, our first uh, uh, encounter with Satan, the devil. Now, Satan, Satan cannot kill God. But we're made in the image of the living God. So he's the one, or we're the one they want to destroy because that will hurt God. We're the image, we're made in the image of the living God. And he's, and he's set there purposely to do three distinct lies that he uses constantly. These, three, these same three lies that he used in the Garden of Eden, he uses all the time in our everyday lives. The, the first lie was distorting God's word to make it look restrictive. We'll, we'll get this a lot of times in our lives that, that um, you'll say, for instance, you'll say, did God really say, did, did, you know, did uh, God really say that we can't eat? No. He didn't say we can't eat. You know, but there's parameters that we need to set aside when we're, when we're eating. When, did God say that we, uh, uh, that we can't have relationships with one another? No. We can have all the relationship we want. But we have to do it in, in the parameters of, of, of how he set it out. You know, so the, it's, it's the, the first lie of the enemy is that, oh, God is restrictive. You're not going to have any fun if you become a Christian. You're not going to be able to uh, uh, do things that you want to do. That you, all you're going to do is work. I have never had more joy or more fun since I've turned my life completely over to Christ. And you know what? I've never been busier. I've never worked harder. I've never, I, you know, I thought I was busy before I became a Christian. I knew God. Or actually, I should say, I became a Christian as a child, but I didn't know God until I was in my 40s. I didn't know him. You know, the, and then, and I thought at that point that I didn't have time. I didn't have time to do these things. You know, or, and everybody, how many, uh, you always think these things that you don't have time. And I never, I never grasped what God does when you follow him. He, says, he has a supernatural time thing that works out that when you're serving him, you seem to have time to do all the things you need to do. When you're in prayer, when you're worshiping, when you're reading, and, and you, still have, you still have all these things to do, you somehow find time to do it. And, you're, and you are rewarded for it. The freedom that comes by following God is, is immediately obvious when you make that decision to turn over. You know, so the enemies lie, and we have to understand it, is that God is restrictive. He's not. More freedom in God than you have in the world. So in the second lie, the second lie is a denial of consequence. You know, he says, you won't die. 
God said you'll die. The devil says, no, you won't. The denial of consequence. We know the wages of sin is death. God's word says wages of sin is death. When you defy God, it's sin. Because all of, our, all of the things that we're to follow from God are set off based on his nature. And what he says is wrong is wrong. Because God is good. And we don't follow what he says, it's wrong. So the, so the, the devil will go, and this is a big one nowadays. This is a big lie in society today. You can do whatever you want. As long as you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. It's a big lie. You can do whatever you want. You can't. We have freedom in Christ, but Paul says all things are, 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 are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Not everything lifts us up. Not everything is good for us. And the, and the mature Christian, when they get into this, know that if I don't follow what God has said, it's going to lead to bad things for me. You know, I find it funny that, you know, a lot of people hate, in the world, they hate Jewish people because of how successful they are and they're good with money, but they're just following the word they were given. The sound principles of the Bible, when followed to the, to the T, will lead to success. You know, it'll, it'll lead to financial, it'll lead to other things. Um, where we fall down is a lot of us have failed in that area. I, I, Lil and I, when we first started out, our credit rating was, we're in, we're in the tank because we made some really bad financial mistakes. You know, but then we worked up, we had to buy a house and do all different things, and, and, and it, it becomes very expensive for you if you don't follow the proper teachings of the Bible and, and do things the right way, because you have to pay more money for things if your credit's really bad. There's a price to pay for not following. Yeah, so, so that's, the, that's the second lie, is that there's no consequence. There's always a consequence. And what they're doing has consequences in their everyday life. If they're, uh, if you're, uh, if they're going out and they're, and they're, they're doing something physically wrong every every week when they're out at a bar on a Friday or Saturday night, you know that has consequences down the line. You know, there, there's always consequence. The third lie is the perceived benefit or increased status. You know. Uh, they're saying, if you defy God, you'll be like God. Saying that you won't, you won't, you're not going to die. And not only are you not going to die, you're going to be an equal to God. Because, you know, it's a, it's an, and it appeals to, to our, our, uh, our, our hubris, our arrogance, our, uh, our, our desire. And I've heard people teach it that, you know, that that was a good thing. That they wanted to be like God because there's God and they loved him so they wanted to be like him. But the only way to be like God is to follow God. It's, it's, it's sheer arrogance and a mindset of the devil that thinks that he can be equal with God because he can't. And, he's, and, the, and you'll, find out, you'll find out through revelation and understand that he does, but he doesn't know. He knows he's doomed, but he doesn't know it because he's setting up a counterfeit trinity you know, and, and at end times to try to, try to uh, um, uh, equal or take on God, which ends up in his destruction because a created being can't kill an uncreated being. 
You know, <laughs> you, can't, you can't defeat him. It's impossible. And you're betting on a losing horse if, if, you go, if you're not following, following God. He wins. When we follow Christ, we walk in victory. It's learning to walk in that victory and understanding that, that this enemy that we're facing, although looking formidable and does have a sense of power, is nothing compared to what the authority has given us in Jesus Christ. He must go. Resist the devil and he will flee. And so that third lie. And these are all, and, and if you think about it, and this is, you have to do your own research on this because this is, uh, I, I, I'm going to preach it, but like everything, you've got to be a Berean, you've got to go research it. These seem to me to be attacks on the Trinity itself. You know, the three different aspects of the, of the Trinity. When you go into the, the first one, uh, it, it, that, uh, is attack on God the Father because he's saying, while our God is good and he gives us all things that edify, if we, we ask for a, a fish, is he going to give us a snake? You know, no, he's a good God. He's not restrictive. He, he framed it in such a way that he said you can eat of any tree. He gave us the, even the one they weren't supposed to. He gave them the option, the freedom to eat from that tree. He's, but it's the only tree that had a consequence. So we had no restrictions on eating from that tree. He just said, if you do, this is going to happen. <laughs> so this is an attack on the Father. All things, all things are legal for me, but not all things edify. Some things have a consequence. <laughs> Some things have dire consequences. Sometimes, some of these consequences are eternal if we, don't, if we don't know the enemy we're dealing with and the, weapon we need to, and the weapon we need to fight with. The second one, the second lie, is attack on Jesus Christ. It says, or you'll die. No, you will not die. Because we believe that lie, Christ had to die for us. Because we followed up on what, 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 what the serpent has said and we followed, the, followed him and handed the keys to the planter over to Satan, Christ had to die to get him back, to, go, to, to descend so he could ascend and give us all authority. So it was an attack on Jesus Christ. The third one, you will be like, you will be like God, an attack on the Holy Spirit, the power of God. Will, you'll know God. It's good that I go because the Holy Spirit will come and he will teach you all things. The power, the knowledge from God comes from the Holy Spirit. He's the author of the Bible. He's the inspiration behind this, is the, 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 the thread that pulls this all together. So this, isn't a, this was an all-in-all salt on God and his beliefs and who he really is. This is why, this is why it's so... Effective. He's did a complete, a complete in three. It's actually like I think it's a verse and a half. In a verse and a half, he was very effective at the line that he did because we bought it hook, line, and sinker, and it ended up put. It ended up in our destruction that only God could prevent. Only God could come down and do this. You know what? Uh, then who can be saved? <laughs> All thing, through men, it's impossible, but through God, all things are possible. You know, so 
the only way that we could be saved is through his intervention. Sorry, this, when I actually use the slides, it's going to slow me down a bit for the, <laughs> but I'll be a little bit clearer. <laughs> um, but let's go to the next scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 4, 3, 4. Uh, I think I have you 4, 4. But I'm going to read 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is an image, image of the God, should shine on them. The God of this world is another name for Satan. And it says he's blinded the, he blinded the perishing. He blinded the perishing. Some of us have hardened our hearts so much against the Lord that we can't see the truth. That doesn't... That doesn't excuse our responsibility for telling them because sometimes somebody gets 9, 10, 11, 20 times and, and the circumstances in their lives get worse and worse and worse. And as their lives get worse and worse and worse, they get more open to the gospel. So the, the, the perishing part of it, they're in the process of dying. Our flesh, all of our flesh, even Christians, is in the process of dying as our spirit grows. You know, but this happens a lot quicker when you don't have the Lord in your, Lord in your life, that your, your, the physical aspects of your life start spiraling, and you don't know how to stop it. You know, and, it and, and the devil is really good at this, and this is how they try to trick Christ all the time. They always try to trick Christ by his, a no-win situation. You know, and most people I find that are, that are demonized or that, uh, uh, by, I don't mean possessed. There's a difference between being possessed and demonized. There's a good, there's, uh, uh, you can, Christians can be demonized. They can be harassed by demons constantly and trying to be that on a, uh, ineffective. As it, makes them, it makes them think that there's no way out, that they're in a no-win situation. This is not true. With Christ, there's always a way out. There is always a way. He said, that, you know, the temptation that will come on you is going to be nothing that's not common to man, but the, the, the Holy Spirit will give you a way out. You know, God will give you a, a way to get out of what you're in. There's always a way. And it usually, it usually needs to begin with you on your knees. Well, me, it was in a car driving, but don't do, you know, get on your knees in a car <laughs> while you're driving. It's like Unless you're a professional driver, I don't know. That. <laughs> you know but, but, <laughs> but, but, but the, that's a tactic. That's a tactic of the devil. And this is this blinding of the mind uh, of the people that are perishing because he makes it seem attractive to them. The next thing that's right in front of them, the candy that's right in front of them, instead of uh, and, instead of the long-term benefits of uh, of following Jesus Christ, that they want this quick gratification. This, uh, this immediate thing to them, and every time they take the step of, of doing something immediate, whether it's in relationship or whether it's, uh, uh, like for me, gambling or something, because gambling is actually the ultimate example of that, of, of immediate gratification. You know, it's how they get people suckered in, because a little, little buzzers, a little light, little thing, oh, you hit a bonus, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, but pretty soon you're walking out with your, you know, did I put my keys in the machine? 
you know, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's, <laughs> and you don't know what happened to you. If you feel like you were in a, uh, 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 in a nine round fight in a boxing match when you walk out, you know, and, but at the time it seems like the thing to do. Hell, I could go make some money. I could have fun. You know, it's a, you know, and uh, and the devil uses all these things to blind you, and you t and you tell little lies in your head to do your sin. You tell things in your head. Oh, yeah, sure, it's money. It's money, but I I work hard. I've earned it. You know, I I should be able to do this if I want. You know, things in your you, you start justifying these things in your head. And the devil puts those little things in your that sound quite reasonable, at the time. Because your flesh wants to go, your flesh, your, your, if you get, your mind and your flesh are going to fight against you. Because the, the thoughts that you think, your flesh follows, and your flesh is a willing partner. <laughs> so you you have to you have to fight both of these things, and 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 the devil uses those to blind you. Uh, so so that that is a, that is kind of one of the second aspect of the devil is that that fogging, that blinding, that misrepresentation, and all these have different kind of different names for Satan. And he, say, he says, the God of this age, or this world, it's a little g, you know, that they, they use. And some say the prince of this, you know, some versions, I think, say, say the prince of this, this world. Uh, so, so Christ is hidden from them until they get to that point where they got no other choice. Some, and unfortunately, a lot of us get there. To that point of no, that we have no other choice. We've realized that nothing else will work. And that's sad. It's sad that when we have to get to that point. Let's go on to the next scripture, Ephesians 2. I have one through three in here. I don't know why I asked it. 2-2. Two, two. And he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the power of the air, another, another name for Satan, the spirit who now works in the, stone, in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. This is, this is kind of transitioning. We're getting both sides of this right now, and this scripture gives us how evil, how destructive the devil is. And he's addressing this and he's talking to people that have crossed over, that realize this. It's important that each one of us in this, that we, we identify the devil and this is what he does, that the people acting in disobedience, the people that are acting to harm you, the people that are against you, are acting in the spirit of disobedience to God. That they are filled with this. But the second aspect of this is just as important as a Christian. So what did we? Every single one of us has hurt somebody. And we've done it on purpose. I can still recall the worst one that I ever did. You know, that for, in my mind that sticks out as the worst one that I ever did. I, I was picking someone up at the airport. And I had my, my young son with me, Brandon. And they were should have been right inside the door and I parked the car and I sent Brandon in and I said go just check inside the door and the person in, at this Milwaukee airport came up and yelling at me going you need to move your car you need to move your car because it was still the beginning of this whole terrorist thing that we have to deal with now uh, so they were they had different policies there 
this is my son. I'm not leaving. He just walked in that door. I'm not leaving till my son walks back out that door. Mm-hmm. I am not. You know, uh, so, so I'm sitting there and I'm arguing with her and argue, arguing with her. And, um, and I probably said the worst thing you can say to another human being. I said to her, when my son finally came out, I said, you see that woman? That's, the one, that's somebody I don't want you to grow up to be. Horrible. Horrible thing to say to somebody. But I said it. Because you know what? It was my son. Living in the flesh, I thought I was justified for that cruelty. I now know that that is a horrible thing to say. I know, now know that, because I saw, it's funny, I, I bet every single one of you have done this before. You've said something, had no effect on them. Said something, it had no effect on them. And you keep saying until you get the desired effect. You keep going until you get the look on that face that you want. Because you feel you deserve that because of what they did to you. It's learning to walk away from that. Learning to walk in maturity as a Christian, to learn to love people that when they're coming back here, that you recognize the spirit behind it. It's the spirit in the sons of disobedience. You know, that woman was just doing her job. You know, that's all she was doing was her job. But all I could see, blinded by this, is my son. You know, and I, I, I'm quite certain that a lot of other people would have done the same thing in my, in my, in my situation. They're not going to let their boy walk out somewhere and, and feel like being hurt. But I now know there were, like, there were a lot of ways I could have handled that a little bit differently. There were a lot of ways in love I could have handled this, the, the, what was being attacked. And, and trust me, that's an attack because the, the devil was trying to bring out the worst in me. Because he was putting this fear into my head about my son. And fear is a great one that the devil uses, a spirit of fear, to get you to do silly things. To get you to do harmful things because you think you have a justification because you're afraid of what's going to happen. So you have, to, you have to identify who your enemy is. And this, the, the spirit of disobedience, this, uh, this prince of the air, because it's, a, it's an apt title because you can't see it. You know, all you can see is the person in front of you. So it's a little hard to identify. So we're going we're gonna to transition now to, uh, let's go to John 10.10. 10. Now while the, the transition in the last one was a, uh, was a little difficult to see. In this, in this verse, you can see the transition straight up. It says, A thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is uh, the before and after picture. The devil stole life from us. Christ gave it back. The, 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 the devil killed. We spiritually died when we had to leave the leave the uh, Garden of Eden, but we spiritually come alive. When Christ was resurrected, we rose with him. We came alive with Christ. 
We learn to at least search out and seek these things with him. So this is the before and after. The devil killed us. Christ resurrected us. This is that transition phase. Now, you know the devil is a thief. You know that person stole from you. As soon as everyone that sits down, sits down and, and gives their life to Christ says, I now know the father I was following and the devil wanted nothing but harm for me. But I now know the father I'm going to follow and pledge my life wants nothing but good for me, no matter what I face in my life. So when you say that prayer and you give your life to Jesus to reconcile yourself to God, you are saying, I know who my enemy is now. I have to continue and be vigilant because he is ever, ever approaching you to go the wrong direction and not operate in love. I talked about this environment that a Christian used to, that has to uh, operate in, and that's an environment of love because anything that we do outside of that environment isn't effectual. It won't work have to operate in that love, the love that Christ shown. Uh, next one's not on here, but also I'm going to read it. I, I didn't ask for the slides. <laughs> it's uh, John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We are overcomers because Christ overcame the world. And you have to understand what the, what the world means in, in New Testament terminology. The world is generally used for a term of people that hate God. I have overcome the God-haters because they hate you because they hate God. But I've overcome them. You can have peace in me for that. There's nothing in this world that can overcome the blood of the Lamb. There's no higher name. In Revelation, it has a picture of, a, of the Lamb all bloodied. And done for us, for our sake. Died so we could live. And we have to, re we have to remember in this, all these things that he's done for us. He's done these things for us so that we could have a two-way relationship with him. He came down to reconcile. God could always, always see us and do things, and, and, but we could not connect to God except through Jesus Christ. So this now becomes a two-way street, but many of us don't use this. We were at a, a Bruce Veneta conference yesterday on healing, but one of, the, one of the things he said in there, key, and one of the weapons that, that, that we can use is prayer. But a lot of us do not use prayer effectively because we just shoot it one way. We don't listen for the response. You know, and he, in the, and he used the, the verse, uh, be still and know, I'm not, know that I'm God, and he said what he hears, and I knew what he was going to say because it's the first thing that came to my mind, shut up and listen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's more effective if you're sitting there and you pray. And a lot of us go, and he goes, uh, and he used a good analogy too. I'm stealing from him, so that, but I, you know, it's Holy Spirit, so it's all good. Uh, so, <laughs> so, 
So it, it'd be like it'd be like you calling up your friend and going and, and going da 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 da. Okay, bye. And your friend's sitting there going, "What about my day? <laughs> what about me?" <laughs> so you're sitting up there leaving God hanging. You're going like, "Oh, thanks for dumping." Don't you want to? Don't you want to hear what I have to say that might make your day a little better? <laughs> don't you want? Don't you want to hear the, the, the peace I have for you? <laughs> so, so, and that's a discipline for all of us because I I'm, I'm guilty of this too. That that I um, I oftentimes when I, but it's I often when I when I do these prayers I don't. I I cut it off. I go. I'm I'm going someplace else. I'm on my next thing. And, um, and it's not right. But I do during the day now. That's, I, I, it's, it's a little different when you're, when you're thinking about this stuff all day because now when you're, I, I'm in conversation with God all day and I'm listening to what he's putting on my heart. You know, obviously I'm here, so I've listened to something. So <laughs> but, uh, um, but putting that into a discipline that you're in a two-way relationship with God. When you speak to him, he's not a genie. He doesn't grant wishes. You know, you know, you don't just say, and, and you don't get mad when the prayer you asked for doesn't happen because he, I can guarantee you if what you asked for didn't happen, he has greater things in store for you than, than, than what you're asking for because he gives so much greater gifts. He goes, he's like, nah, I got something better. I know, I know you want the tricycle, but I got this nice 10-speed for you. You know, I got I don't like the 10 speed, but I got, I, I, got, I, got, I got this nice car for you. you know, for the, <laughs> whatever we could possibly want, I know that from my testimony that when, when I asked God for one thing, he gave me everything. He took all my, all my sins and inequity and then gave me everything. He's a good, good father. And this is a great thing about this transition. That's that life abundant he's talking about. He's not talking that you're going to have an easy life. It doesn't mean easy. But it, but it means fulfilling. It means you've got a purpose. It means you love what you do because you're, you're, you're abiding in him. And you, and you accomplish when you follow his, follow his word. You just walk in that joy that, that he gives you. Even though, even though this, it may seem difficult and you, had, uh, uh, you might come up against the sea. And what, God, did you leave me here to die? He goes, what are you doing? Stretch out your thing. He's like, why aren't you walking already? You know, because uh, we have a benefit that, 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 that the Old Testament folks didn't have, is that we have in ourselves the indwelling of God, and we can see things a lot more spiritually than they could then. You know, Moses was the, was the anointed one. He could see, hold out your staff and walk across. But any Christian now walking on, you know, when we come into these things, it looks like there's no way out. We know it's an illusion because God always gives us a way out. We know the blocks in, in, in our way are not real. Because God will part that sea. He will move that mountain. And Ephesians 6.12, I think I do have that one. Did I use that one already? No. Yeah. 
For we do not wrestle against, oh yeah, this is, this is a, my, uh, another transition verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12. This is transitioning to the second enemy. And how we treat the second enemy. This, refused, this, this, this is to human beings. You know, even though it says, it's pointing out who this is, this is, you know what this is about because of who it excludes. We are not these things. Human beings are not these things. So this is a spiritual thing that he's showing as an attack. So this is flesh and, flesh and blood is the, is the people that we, that we come against because we do have physic, people that physically come into opposition for us. So this is a lighter enemy we have people that, are, that, that do attack us through the spiritual and the, and the powerful, but God, God has a different plan for how we're supposed to handle that. We are, we, I spent the first part of this identifying who the enemy is and who he's talking about here. He's talking about the enemy that, that, that can cost us our internal soul if we follow him. But the enemy that can, but we also have problems with the enemy that can hurt our flesh, that can hurt our feelings, that can uh, hurt our intellect. Well, they could hurt your feelings if you had them. I don't have them, so we'll, so we'll, so we'll be all right. But it tries to get to me in different ways. So, <laughs> so um, this, this is a, this is a kind of, um, and how we deal with this enemy, uh, Christ shows us how to model it. it you know, there, there's many scriptures on, on how to deal with this, and, but it's, it's hard to grasp it sometimes. It says, you know, love your enemy because uh, if you only love people that love you, you know, what, what, uh, how does that credit you? I'm paraphrasing these things here, but, um, but you've, you've heard these things before. But it, it, we don't get credit for doing good for people that do good for us. You know, it's not showing spiritual maturity there. It's uh, spiritual maturity is being able to do good things, kind things for people that come in opposition to you or enemy. Christ says that we have a different way we need to teach this or, or treat this particular enemy. And uh, let's go to, oh, you can't go to, I don't think I have this one on here. Did I give Luke 9, 51 through 54? Okay. 951 through 54. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face and as they went they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And his disciples, James and John, saw this. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Do you not know the manner of spirit you are of? For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. How much do we want to do this? Somebody comes up against us, and we want to destroy them. 
We want to beat them. We want to, we, want, we want to move them completely out of our way and not think about them again. Jesus says, that's not our spirit. When people deny us, people don't want to shelter us, his response is, hey, we're just going to go to the next village. You know? And so that these people can be saved later. Because if I destroy them now, they can't be saved later. If I take them out now, they can't become part of, part of the body later. It's a hard teaching because our flesh wants to take out the things around us. We have a political environment now that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. We got, the, we got, we got an opposition party Senate person threatening Supreme Court justices. This hasn't happened in history, you know, in, in the past, that, that this level of incivility is, is, is through the roof. Because we're losing track, and Christians have lost a hold of, of what, our, what our spirit is. What spirit are we from? And we're of the spirit of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit that's abiding in him, and these teachings that are hard to love your enemy. Because when we break down and we start to become like them, Who's going to be the peacemaker? Blessed is the peacemaker. There are no peacemakers left if we fall to a spirit we're not of. This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean Jesus, Jesus was not weak. We can say that, right? But he took the meek approach. He humbled himself below the situation and said, no, I didn't come to destroy them. Nor should our spirit be to destroy others. Nor should our spirit be that, that to cause other people harm, even though they've denied us. And this is very hard because our flesh fights against it. Because we have actual people doing that to us all the time. That are causing grief in our lives. But I submit that if you do it God's way, and you go to your knees, and you go to prayer... And you, do, and, you, and you bring them back in a loving manner that you will not only get past your situation, you'll come out of respect and you'll rise in the esteem of the person that you're dealing with. And who knows, 10 years from now, they may be sitting right next to you. Well, or 10 days. You got 10 days. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, that's... I don't want to give you too big of a timeline. Jesus modeled this throughout his walk. That he, had, he had this uncommon compassion for people that wanted to do him harm. Even on the cross, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they do. You know, and, and if you think that we can't, well, that was Jesus. You know, if you think that was Jesus, uh, um, just drew a blank. First martyr, Stephen. Um, Stephen, while being killed by the people he was trying to convert that would not, said the same thing. He was filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit, and that's the only way that you can do this, is being filled with the Holy Spirit and counting on that source and not your flesh, your mind, and what you see. Because we walk, we walk by faith and not by sight. And the heavens, they stood, Jesus stood up for him, opened up the heavens, saw him, because he could do this incredible, 
mature spiritual thing onto death. So if he can die that way, we can certainly live that way, right? So I hope that we'll have an opportunity to, to take this in and, and move it into our everyday lives. But that's going to be the heart condition of a mature Christian and hopefully an environment that we're going to foster here among one another. This environment, what we breathe in is love. The spiritual thing behind us is that we're going to be able to love people even they try to do us harm. And trust me, I know in this area, when we start even when we start to make waves, there's going to be a massive pushback. They're going to, they're going to harm. They're going to say things. They're going to uh, miscategorize who we are. You know, these things are going to come. But in the face of that, we stay calm. We stay loving. We stay supportive in saying, well, read your Bible. Let's read Scripture. Let's see what Scripture says about that. You know, if we come into it, you know, bring them lovingly back to the fold. Not violently. We don't need to argue. We don't, we don't need to cause conflict. Just lovingly say, can we have a conversation about that? You know, I know you're, for some reason you're irritated or ticked, but can we just have a conversation about that? Let's sit down and have coffee. Maybe even at the end, maybe you still believe what you believe, and I still believe what I believe, but we can at least part agreeing to disagree and not, and not be in opposition to one another. So, with that, with that I'm, I'm, I'm going to close in prayer. And one of the, know that one of my weaknesses I continue to work on is ending. Don't know where to end half the time. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> but, but we'll get there, you know. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop force. <laughs> Thanks. It's good day. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's go to the Lord in prayer for them. Father, we give praise for your mighty name. We give praise for this time together. We give praise for the lesson that you brought out. We give praise for your touch on our lives, Lord, that, uh, that make us uncommon, not common. You know, we're, we're returning to the image of the living God through, through Jesus Christ and our reconciliation to you. Our, our image shines brighter every day as we, as we uh, grasp these, these deeper concepts. of, 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 of it, It's simple but hard. Loving. Seeing the real enemy, Lord. I ask that you put in all of our hearts to see the real enemy. The flesh and blood ones, not real. They're, they're, they're future brothers and sisters. They're where we once were, Lord. Let's have compassion on them because they know not what they do. Lord, that's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be able to serve, Lord. To put our, put our hearts where your heart is. And we know that this can a lot of times be difficult, but has wondrous and awesome rewards, Lord. I ask you to give us the discipline, Lord, to live the way you need us to live, Lord. And let us always walk in grace that when we fail, and we sometimes will fail, that we know that we're forgiven 
and we don't live in shame and condemnation and that we walk on and we show other people how to walk in that to better their lives through your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.